This is going to be a fun one. I don't know why. <laughs> Do you be- care to explain? Because you don't know what we're doing today. Did you bring me a gift? I didn't. Uh-huh. Today is our... Anniversary. Well, that too. <laughs> but it's our 52nd episode, meaning... Wow. That in a year, we put out 52 episodes, which is crazy because... On the average. We didn't put them out by a week, yeah. Yeah, sometimes there were many in a month, and sometimes there were barely one in a month. Yes, that's so true. That's how averages work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So here we are, a year later... Once again, asking for your support. These are my reflections. Just when I thought I said all I can say, my bitch on the side. Who is Gabe? Is that JT? Justin Timberlake? (laughs) No, it's Usher. Oh. So... Same. What are you thinking right now? Just, I mean, we've been doing this for a year. What do I think about the podcast? Do you feel like it's a waste of your time? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. This is great. I love it. Even if nobody ever gave us a click, <laughs> it would still be worth it to me. I don't know. That's true. Speaking out into the void, just I feel screaming the yeah. into the abyss. I agree. It helps to get your thoughts out. It's also been a fun ride. Me? Just with our friendship, I think. I'm a fun ride. <laughs> <laughs> our ever-developing camaraderie. The chemistry is palpable. When we were going to the chicken restaurant the other day, we were talking in the car about that movie. It was funny because I was thinking the whole time we were talking, I'm like, wow, this is a very natural conversation for us. Oh, yeah. But it, if we were to record it, it would have just been another episode of the I podcast. I feel like I was more eloquent in that conversation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then we recorded the <laughs> podcast, which is the same conversation, but worse. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully someone enjoyed it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed it both times because it's good talk. Well, it's also fun today, not just because it's our year anniversary episode and also our 52nd episode, but you don't know what we're doing today. I have no idea. You kept me in the dark (laughs) intentionally. I teased this back in the Cobra Kai. I tossed. Yeah, tossed me. Back in the Cobra Kai episode that I wasn't going to tell Gabe what we were doing for our, our year anniversary episode. And he still doesn't know. In fact, right before we started recording this, he's like, I still don't know what this is. Right, and I'm like, I have nothing. I have nothing prepared. I'm, I'm useless. (laughs) (laughs) I like the episodes where. I know more than you, and you know more I than like me. I like those, too. And I get to I'd ask rather questions. You, you like should the, talk the more. Possessor episode was super fun for me, just being able to ask you questions. I would Actually, I was probably... That's one of my favorites, just because I was so into that movie. Yeah. I think I've been into everything we've talked about so far, but Possessor well, was the, really special. Goal. Yeah. The goal is to not recommend stuff that's crap. Yeah. yeah but, can, I mean, you can recommend or have conversation around sure. a good film and not be personally into it. True. In fact, there have been a few times I've tried to recommend something that we should talk about and you're like, I'm not interested in talking about that. And then talking about why you're not interested in talking about it. <laughs> like when you tried to get us to do Among Us? Yeah. <laughs> no, not Among Us. Although <laughs> I, I still like, think that would be an interesting conversation. It would be, yeah. But you shut them down because you're like, I'm not very interested in recommending that. In a good way. To me, the conversation surrounding why these things are trendy or popular is sort of part of the pop culture. And I think we might be sliding into a more, a slightly more auteur pop culture podcast. You mean in, in terms of things we enjoy? We're not just covering every little thing that comes out and yeah. talking about it. We're covering the things we recommend. Well, we don't even have time to do that. Or we would want to recommend. It exactly. Would, it would kill you. Precisely. <laughs> You almost died during the first 10 episodes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think if it would be actually fun to do that if that was our job. Yeah. And I think we could do it. Correct. But yeah, I think this is more enriching for me is to just focus on the things that we enjoy. I agree. Anyway, we're going to talk about something today. You don't know what it is. No, I have no idea. And you're not going to really care as much as me. Well, you don't know that. But, but it's today we're going to do one of my favorite shows of all time. 
Extreme Home Makeover. <laughs> uh, no. Move that bus. But it's a very specific version of this show. Mm. Today we're going to talk about The Office. Oh. Season three. Okay. Of The American Show. The American Office that they just took off of Netflix on December 31st. Rest in peace. January 1st. It got put on the NBC streaming service called Peacock. And they put out season three, re-edited with all deleted scenes and, and never before scenes. Really? And it's called the Superfan Episodes. So all of season three was re-edited to basically be twice as long. Wow. And incorporate all these other plot lines that you've never really seen before. That's awesome. And all of these jokes that you've never seen before. Is that only for season three, though? Is that just the best yeah, season of the show? It's Well, that's what we're going to talk about. For now, Peacock only put out season three. I have a couple ideas as to why. One of them is because it might be the most beloved season of the show. Second of all, I think it might have been the most accessible for people to watch. I hope they go back and do seasons one and two. And I hope they continue to do four through nine. Because, man, okay... I've watched, <laughs> I've rewatched and watched The Office a dozen to 20 times, I would say. I watched it when it came out. I was watching season three as it was airing week by week. I was on it. I was following the episodes every week. I'd like figure out if it was a bye week and, you know, not watch it that week. And just, I would also watch them multiple times between the weeks that they appeared. So I've been, I've been watching The Office for a long time. And season three to me personally I mean, season two is my favorite season, but season three is by far, I think, to me, that's the zenith of the show. That's the peak of where everything was at its best. And there's a reason for that, which we can get into in a second. But I think that's why NBC through Peacock released this one season only with the Superfan episodes. Hmm. Pretty interesting. Is this going to get people to subscribe to Peacock? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the goal, right? I think eventually. Yeah. Um, I think... There's a lot of Office fans who are really bummed that it left Netflix and that it's now on Peacock. But honestly, I mean, I was watching this season of The Office, the season I've seen like 20 times, and I was laughing out loud at the jokes that I've never heard. There's just some crazy stuff in this. So it was like re-watching the same thing I've always seen while watching it for the first time. It was a beautiful experience. That's awesome. Yeah. A lot of footage too, huh? You said it so doubled the footage. length of the episodes? Yeah. So Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, Jenna plays Pam and Angela plays Angela. Nice. Yeah. Makes it easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have a podcast called The Office Ladies and I've listened to every episode of that as well. Twelve and times. <laughs> no, just once. But they threw out talking about their experience in The Office, talked about how when they were filming it, they would do multiple takes, sometimes up to 15, 20, 25 takes every time. For a scene? For every scene. Gosh. So you got to imagine, and, and the creator of the show and also a lot of the directors that they brought on just loved having them redo the scene over and over and over and over and over again. So for every scene, they did multiple, multiple takes of everything. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of material to work with. And then there was stuff because it was on broadcast that got cut full plot lines of background plot lines that were happening in the episodes. They would just get cut for time. Hmm. And so they put all that stuff back in. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. I really enjoyed it. Other people, I've read some articles online that talk about um, how it basically changes your perspective and your view of The Office. 
for people that don't know, you might be thinking, well, what do you mean? So, for example, the first six episodes before Stanford branch merges with the Scranton branch and Jim is uh, hanging out with Rashida Jones, Karen... And their relationship, you sort of see a little bit of a spark, but it's much more fleshed out and developed so that you really understand the attraction between Jim and Karen and why Jim is in Stanford and why he wants to stay there. And they really flesh out that relationship. And also why Karen moved to Scranton, not in a really creepy way, where you just think that she just kind of likes Jim. It's more like there was really something there that they cut from the series that you know really develops that relationship. Hmm. And it's like that with everything. You see a lot of really funny stuff with Michael and Jan. Jan. Jan actually has some stuff in the beginning of the season that blew my mind because she actually threatens Michael's job on multiple accounts. And it is clear that she takes her job seriously and does not stand for Michael's sort of buffoonery. And it's fascinating because they never showed that in the season. I think it was because they didn't want fans to actually be afraid of Michael losing his job. But on one of my favorite episodes, which is episode five, The Initiation, it's the Pretzel Day episode. She actually is on the hunt to try to get him fired that day. Yeah. (laughs) That's why Pam's sort of trying to spur Michael on to actually being proactive that day. It's just very fascinating, though, the stuff that they cut with Jan surrounding Michael. And then all of the stuff with Michael. He has so many more added jokes that literally had me laughing out loud on multiple occasions. There's so many little moments, gems or one-liners from Michael that enhances the viewing pleasure. It was just fantastic rewatching it. The last thing I would say about something that they added that really makes more of an impact is on Beach Games, it's the episode before the finale of season three, Pam goes through that whole thing where she basically does the cold walk and gets the courage to finally say something to Jim about how she feels. And they go and stand in the water and talk, but that part's not shown until the season finale, the beginning, the very beginning of the season finale, episode 24. But there's more to that scene that you've never seen before. They start the finale episode right after Beach Games with dialogue and uh, back and forth between Jim and Pam that you've never seen. So that relationship and his whole motive for why he kind of left Karen in New York and came back to Scranton uh, also makes more sense because of that dialogue. And you see the spark and you feel the kinship that Pam and Jim had in season two that was lost come back again in that moment. And I just thought it was amazing. It's like, mm. it's all this insight into the office that you've never really seen. And there's so much more. Only good things. Yeah. Michael treating Toby bad is, <laughs> there's new scenes of that. Oh no. <laughs> anyway, I couldn't recommend this more, especially for office fans. And, uh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> What's a peacock, a peak, a peacock uh, subscription cost? You know, I don't know. What's a peacock? What is peacock? That's awesome. I had no idea this was a thing. That's crazy. I know. I mean, I kept you in the dark intentionally. I mean, I can't believe I didn't even hear about it. The super fan. I didn't talk about it with you because... Well, yeah, I assume it would have been a big issue, you know, online, yeah. on the internet. Yeah, I mean, I've looked up articles that are just like, you know, this changes everything. It honestly does give a whole different feeling to the season, to the show. It, it makes it feel almost like a different show. And it really explores the motives behind each character more. So you get you get more Creed, 
more Stanley, more Meredith. You get more insight into these characters that you've never seen. It's crazy that they would write or at least shoot all that and yeah. then only use enough for like a 20-minute episode. It's very common. I mean, especially from the Office Ladies podcast, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, they talk about how common it was for them to get a script that was like 35, 40 pages long. Hmm. And you know, scripts translate every page is a minute right. on screen. So that's 35 to 40 minutes long. And then it had to get cut down to 20, 22 minutes, which was airtime plus commercials for a half hour episode. So the editors had a big job <laughs> to yeah. carry that much story. There was one person who edited every episode of The Office. What? Yeah. His name is Dave Rogers. Dave Rogers, yeah. the legend. David Rogers. He edited every episode. I think he said, except for season one. So he edited every episode starting in season two. So is that was that their approach for the entire show, was to write that much? Yeah. I mean, a lot of time, overwriting is a good thing. Yeah. You know, because then you can dwindle it down to the gold. So we, we're likely to see more of these super fans. And I actually, I don't know, but I, I, I mean, I want to hope that Dave Rogers was the one to edit these Parks. super fan episodes oh. together. Because it, it'd be, you know, instead of handing it over to, to another editor, I think it would make the most sense to yeah, give them to Dave Rogers. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, if we see more, I would like to see season two. That'd be nice. Season one would be nice. All of the most quotable things for me come from seasons one, two, and three. And that's what I was going to say earlier is the reason seasons one, two, and three are so cherished is because those are the seasons that not only hang the Jim and Pam relationship in front of you like a carrot in front of a horse, but season four was the writer's strike season Oh, when it was also season four of Lost. So those shows were happening simultaneously. Uh, that's why season four of Lost was shorter. That's why season four of The Office was shorter. And also they had longer episodes and it just felt a little bit more weird. But apart from the writer's strike happening that season, there was an article that I read. I think it was with Greg Daniels or BJ Novak, who are both producers of the show and writers of the show. Before season four came out, they were talking about the Jim Pam relationship you know, because Jim asks Pam out at the end of season three and it's implied that they're going to start dating for season four. And also the comedy and the tone of the show going forward into season four. And they said in that article that that they've always looked at the show in seasons one through three as a show where it was real people who were doing funny things and that going into season four, they were going to actually make it a direct comedy. And that's why there's such a big tonal shift going into season four. And you get more outlandish plot lines and just crazier kooky things happening from then on. Like straight in season four, the first thing that happens is Michael hits Meredith with his car. It's a sitcom then. It becomes a situational comedy. Exactly. But they actually had a conversation. And I, I don't think most people know this unless they read this article way back when that the writers... And the creator of the show actually had a sit-down conversation about how the future of the comedy should be explored. And I think part of it was from pressure from NBC at the time to make it more direct. And that's why season two actually feels a little bit more moody, I would say, because they filmed it to be like a documentary where these characters are actually just pretty funny because they're quirky characters rather than it being a really direct and everyone's trying to be funny all the time. And so that's the tonal shift you see between seasons three and seasons four. You see that shift from a show with funny characters in it going to a show about characters that are funny. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Why did they, you said the studio. Well, I, I'm kind of putting that on oh. them saying I, it might've been pressure from NBC, but where, where from were the seasons ratings? four and on, it just became a direct comedy. And obviously another big episode for them was the episode that aired right after the Super Bowl. I think it came in season five. It was the one where Dwight faked the fire. Yeah. That episode aired right after the Super Bowl and hooked a lot of people. That episode, when I first saw it, it really left a bad taste in my mouth because... It was just too outlandish. It was the most intentional direct comedy episode, and it had lost the charm of what seasons one, two, and three had. And and that was the most in-your-face comedy episode up to that point, I think, where Dwight's trying to start a fire. And if you notice in that episode... All the characters are just sort of quirky in that episode. There's that scene where they bring a CPR dummy in. Yeah. And (laughs) Dwight literally cuts the face off of it. And where is it? Someone starts singing and it pans to Kelly and she's just like standing there dancing. No one in an actual office would be acting that way. Or you'd get get fired. Yeah, exactly. And so I... (laughs) That was the kind of the difference in seasons one, two, and three. It really was. They were trying to keep it grounded, make it like an actual office setting where just kind of these things were just happening to these characters. And then the situations, the crazier and kookier situations started coming in in season four. And it was just to me, and I still love the show. I've still seen all of seasons four through nine. And most people say it stops being good after season seven, after Steve leaves. But I like seasons eight and nine. I've seen everything and I've seen it all multiple times. But seasons one through three are the most cherished, I think. For you? For a lot of people. Oh. Yeah. A lot of Office fans would probably say the same thing. Most people, like I said, don't know that there was actually... A decision. A decision and a conversation and an actual tonal shift. And that's why it gets so weird. It's so strange. Like, there's an episode right after in season four where, like, Steve and Dwight drive a car into a lake. And then... um. It just gets way crazier. It gets incrementally just way nuttier. Do you think that's how it found a lot of its success with the general audience and not like the cult classic that it would have been if it had just stuck yes. with its first three yeah. seasons? Yeah, I do. Interesting. But then there's a lot of people who like The Office for the first three seasons and say, you know, it stopped kind of being good after that. I've talked to a lot of people like that and maybe not stopped being good, but just stopped being as, you know... It lost that the heart that realistic charm that it had. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, The Office season three, the super fan episodes for diehard Office fans. You should check it out. It's amazing. It's worth the peacock. It's worth the peacock. This is awesome. I wish they would do that for more shows. Shows, yeah. Edit together all this incredible footage that was just left on the cutting room floor. I also do, I wonder if it would be worth it for other shows. You know, The Office is so unique, mm-hmm. I think. It's just like, if you love it, you love it and you understand it and you could make an Office joke, there'll be a handful of people who will look at you and be like, yeah, you know. And everyone else will be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But the people that know, you really feel an immediate kinship with those people. And that's how The Office is. That's my crowd. Those are my people. It has a huge cultural impact when you think about shows of the early 21st century. 100%. It's like The Office and Lost. Well, The Office changed the face of how comedy comedies are done. Yeah. Anyway, this is our 52nd episode. Yeah. Happy 52. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bob Dylan once wrote, the times, they are a-changing. 
Well, take us out, Gabe. Say a thing. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're here still, <laughs> and hope here's to another fifty-two <laughs> podcast episodes. <laughs> Whatever yeah. that happens, another year. Yeah, we'll be coming to you live from the studio. This has been the Cold Popcast. Get ready for the office theme song. That's not it. That's not it. It's That's what I said. <laughs>